0: This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, a little treat. One of my favorite people in this world, in the sports industry, a guy who I've known since I was a kid, back in the fairly Dickinson days when I was a young pup, 17 years old in college a legend in Essex County, a legend in the East Coast, a basketball guy, a basketball lifer, the great Freddie Hill. Coach, how are you?
1: Sergio, great to be here. Great to have you here in the Fred Hill Sports Academy where we can sit down and talk hoops, something that I love to do.
0: How have you been, man? I I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down like this in a while.
1: No, I get to watch you coming in here, do your thing, Fortunately, we're sitting in my office now of the Team Hill Foundation, and since I left coaching two years ago, um, I've been running my foundation full-time. We've had it since 2010, but uh, what we do is we run programming for uh, at-risk inner-city kids, try to give them opportunities that they wouldn't experience, let them know that through athletics and through great schoolwork, there's opportunities for them out there that that maybe they're not aware of and it's been, uh, it's been really rewarding, and it's been great for the programs that we've been able to bring through the Team Hill Foundation.
0: So that's where you're at now, but I'm going to take you back, and we'll ultimately come back to this. You've been a very successful head coach, very successful assistant coach. You've basically been at just countless schools over the years. Take me back to the beginning, at what point did you say to yourself, "I want to be a professional basketball coach"?
1: You know, it's interesting. I was a Division three player. Uh, I went to Montclair State College at the time. Today, Montclair State University, um, and I was a pretty good player. But uh, I always had in the back of my mind, I was a business major, and I wanted to go make a lot of money. And you know, back then, you didn't make a lot of money as a coach. You coach because you Love kids, you love to teach. Or you
0: were a gym teacher.
1: You're a gym teacher. (laughs) You know, Um, and so I was going into the business world. I was going to work at the Meadowlands. So the Meadowlands was just being built. When I graduated from Montclair State, there was a connection there. And I was going to go, and I thought I was going to conquer the world and make a ton of money. And my college coach came to me and said, um, you know, uh, my top assistant, uh, Mike Cohen, is going to become the assistant at George Washington. I'm going to move up Jack McCarthy, uh, who was the freshman coach. Back then you had a freshman coach. And he said, you're my new freshman coach and assistant varsity coach.
0: (laughs) He just told you.
1: Told me. And really the respect that I had for Ollie Gelston was the coach. Um, uh, Coming from a coaching family, obviously my father at that time, the football and baseball coach at Montclair State. Uh, My uncle at that time was the head coach at Lehigh University in basketball. Um, He had also worked for Ali. It's just what you did. You didn't question. You didn't do anything. I said, okay, uh, I'm the coach. So my first job, which was phenomenal, I coached at Montclair State. I was coaching the guys that I played with, the juniors and sophomores that now became seniors and juniors who were my boys, had to walk in and call me Coach Hill. The freshman team that I was the head coach of. Those were guys I recruited. I hosted them on visits, took them around campus. So it was a great experience for me because those young guys, they challenge you. Yeah. And your buddies were still hanging out afterwards. But when you walk in the gym, um, I had to have a degree of respect. And it it taught me an awful lot. And I was just very, very fortunate. So that's where I started. And the next year, my uncle, uh, who was at Lehigh, His assistant left, Frank Sullivan, went to Seton Hall University to work for PJ, and he moved his guy up, Sal Mantasana, who, great friend, I had him back on my staff at Rutgers, it's a small world that we live in, and I became the head coach of the freshman team at Lehigh, and my uncle's assistant, so, um, you know, that's where it all started, and then from there, I was very, very blessed, very, very fortunate, continued to kind of move up. The coaching ladder continued to develop a reputation, continued to learn and grow. And I went from Lehigh to Ryder University, Ryder University to Marquette University, Marquette University to the University of Maine, University of Maine to FDU, FDU to Seton Hall, Seton Hall to Villanova, Villanova to Rutgers, Rutgers to Northwestern, Northwestern back to Seton Hall. So I've been on a journey. It's been phenomenal. I call it riding the river, wherever the next good job took me. And I've learned and worked for so many good people. Um, I've just been truly blessed. I've, I've worked for, for guys that are going to be in a hall of fame and guys that taught me so much. And I've had players. NBA coach.
0: Your, your uncle became an NBA uh, coach my after uncle, those days.
1: Long time successful NBA coach. I had the Orlando Magic when he we went to the finals. Shaq and Penny and Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson and Horace Grant. and You know, I was around that. I was going to training camps. I could hang out in meetings. Um, you know, uh, Mike Fratello was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, and he allowed me to come in and sit down when they were having meetings and I would hang out. And it, it was just a phenomenal upbringing and then I had great, great players. You know, it all, it's about players. And established great relationships and guys that were committed and coachable and wanted to learn. And those guys had some talent. And, you know, we developed some of those guys. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking, because I have a new venture going on and I'm, I'm looking at, I have a little, what we call mail outs and recruiting, NBA guards under Coach Hill, that I'm gonna send to some of these guards that I want to come play in our new basketball academy. Quincy Doobie, Kyle Lowry, Alan Ray, Randy Foy, Isaiah Whitehead, Andre Barrett. I'm looking at that and saying, these kids are great kids. People don't understand the character, the work ethic, the attitude. They were phenomenal to coach. It wasn't us. We got great kids, and we were blessed to have them, and that their character was so good that they could develop and be the best and be elite. You know, one
0: of the things that I remember, so after FDU, obviously, you continued to do your thing. Obviously, I was out of school, but I always kept followed you because you gave me my first coaching opportunity as a gopher. It's Really what I was around FDU, rebounding for the guys. And, you know, one of the things that I always appreciated about you was that you allowed me, even though I was working in the media, at the school, you gave me open access. You spoke to Coach Green at the time to allow me in practice because that was, you know, back then is not like now where now there's open access to everything. Back then, nobody wanted, you know, someone that could put something in print or something out there. So I always appreciated that. and I always followed your career. You were always regarded as one of the top recruiters in the country. What? Was the thing that you tried to take with you all the time when you went on the road to go get a Randy Foy to go get, you know, these guys that were eventually ended up playing in the NBA. But at the time, you don't know where they're going to end up. You're just hoping to bring them into college to help you guys win games. But what is the one thing that you consistently preach to these guys to get these guys to not go to a local school and go with you to Villanova when they could have gone to other places?
1: Well, you know, it's hard to really focus in on one thing. People ask that question all the time. And, you know, it really comes down to from what other people tell me and just the way I was raised. um, I'm honest, I'm I'm genuine. Uh, These are the words that other people have used to describe me, Uh, Bobby Hurley's of the world, Andre Barrett. You know, he, he had a great quote Again, I've got my mail out sitting in front of me and, you know, this is Andre Barrett's quote. He made my family feel really comfortable. He made us feel like he was a friend of the family, not just a coach. He has a unique style. He is very genuine, you know, and Quincy Doobie, you know, long quote, but it ends up with everything he told me would happen whenever we began working that first day came true. I, I don't try to sell any school I've ever been at is not the right fit for every player. One of the things I took a lot of pride in is finding the right fit. So, you know, recruiting a player to the University of Maine is different than recruiting a player to FDU. It's a different environment. It's a different type of player. And you want to get a guy that's going to succeed in the environment and the level that you're at. And I've always developed relationships at a very early age with guys and all the people around them to make sure it was a good fit. And most guys can't walk away from a talented player, but I've walked away from a lot that I didn't think was a good fit because they're not going to be successful. And fortunately, I had an eye for choosing and doing a lot of homework to get the right guys at the right school. And those guys usually turn out to be pretty good players. Obviously, they have to have talent, but then when you add everything else in, those guys are the ones that are successful. As I was going through my history, the one thing that, I really take a lot of pride in, and it was very interesting, and I didn't know it because this is a funny story. So two years ago, my alma mater, Montclair State University, was open, and I was interested in going back to being a head coach. I thought it would be phenomenal to end my career where I started. started. Okay. And I thought I would go full circle, and I've had a phenomenal career, and certainly, you know, we were paid very handsomely, as an assistant as a head coach at the highest level in the Big East and to go back to a division 3 level and make
0: fraction yeah. <laughs> a, a, small a small fraction, fraction okay.
1: of what you're making but it, it's my passion and I just thought it was the coolest thing and I didn't get the job because they didn't see where my career translated back to division 3 so you basically were overqualified i was overqualified which to me blew my mind as an alumnus former player captain Won a championship, which since that time when I graduated in 1981, they've won one other NJCAC championship. And I I was overqualified. And so in putting together a um, presentation for the committee, I went through all of the players and all league and uh, player of the year and all rookie team and all that. The one thing that really stood out to me was that at every stop I've been at, except for my very first year at Lehigh University, I've recruited and or coached a Hall of Fame player at that school and university. Wow. The ultimate award for a player. So very few throughout years and years and years are inducted into their Hall of Fame. And for most schools, I've only been there Three, four, five years, and then I was fortunate to move up the ladder and move on. Correct and at every stop as I, and I had no idea. I look back, and it's not about me; it's about what great kids came and listened, and coachable, and high character, and the coaches that recommended them. So, you know, you got to get lucky. You know, you, you you make mistakes on kids, and they don't pan out, and you have other kids that do pan out, and I've just been very blessed and very, very fortunate, and, and to this day, I am friends with all of these guys. I spoke to Randy Foy yesterday. I'm gonna call Andre Barrett today. I spoke to Quincy Duby a couple of days ago. Um, I stay in touch. They're families, I've been to their weddings, I've been to birthday parties, and that's the beauty of what coaching is all about, being a true teacher, a true friend, and I think that served me very well along my journey out coaching you you
0: you think back to the opportunity you got at Rutgers um I remember a lot of the articles um at the time was you know you finally got your shot I think that a lot of a lot of guys I think a lot of guys like us who are jersey guys uh we're always waiting for you to take that ball and take that job and run with it what are the obstacles with that program because that programs had a year or two here or there i always felt it was one of the most difficult places as a road team to play when the when the rack is pumping it's hard to play there what were some of the obstacles that still exist in that job but were really prevalent when you were there
1: Well, looking at the history, and it was a job that, you know, people say, but it truly was my dream job. Certainly, uh, still to this day, um, having the opportunity to be the head coach at Rutgers and my dad being the head baseball coach, which to our knowledge, um, uh, and we've researched it a little bit, um, I don't think there's ever been a father and son uh, at a major college that were head coaches in two different sports. There's been some father and sons on football staffs together, Correct. but to be the head baseball coach and, and head basketball coach, and it was special. Um, you know, He was at practice every day, I watched their practice. You know, we practiced obstacles in the rack. Think about what, we didn't have a practice facility. Correct. He was having baseball practice, hitting in the cage, which you know all about, yeah. while I'm running basketball practice in the same gym, and you hear the ping of the ball, and. You know, all of a sudden, I'm practicing, and he comes around the corner, and there he is watching my practice. And then we have a five minute break, and I'm going around the corner, and I'm watching guys hitting the cage. And I mean, it was so special. And and I want to and
0: and I want to stop you there for a sec before you you continue because one of the things that a lot of basketball guys, even particularly younger guys, I'm going to say, kids my son's age, who's 16 and loves college hoops because he thinks he's going to be there someday, they don't realize that when you were at Rutgers, it was the real Big East. It, you, you understand what I'm saying? It, it it wasn't, you know, 10 Catholic schools with the same funding. We're talking about the real Big East. So you can elaborate on that too. I don't want you to cut yourself short.
1: No, well, I listen, I had a great experience Um, It certainly didn't end the way I wanted it to end, but Bob Mulcahy, who hired me, is one of the greatest athletic directors, one of the greatest guys. Um, I have the utmost respect. And I think when you go back to saying what you're saying, I think the problem um, is that Rutgers always thought that they could get there quicker. And it takes time when you don't have the tradition and history of the great programs. That is the biggest thing. Somebody was talking to me the other day, and I forget what program we were talking about, um, and I said, you know, you got to understand, tradition and history mean a ton when you're talking to parents and you're talking to AAU coaches and high school coaches and these schools that traditionally have been there. And if you go back and look, yeah, you'll get a school that pops up every once in a while, but I get go back over the last 40 years and the top 25 is... The, top, the 25. top twenty-five. They're not much different. One comes in, one leaves. Go to the top forty. Interchange those. You get a program like Gonzaga today that you know really takes it to another level. There's outliers, but the top twenty-five, the blue bloods, are the blue bloods.
0: Coach, my we're watching. You know I'm a St. John's fan. We're watching St. John's game a couple of weeks ago. They put up a shot of the top 10 winningest programs of all time and St. John's is on there. And my little guy says to me, when did we win all those games? <laughs> because they have not lived what we lived with St. John's. Right. So that's that, that goes to what you're talking about.
1: But the coaches and AU coaches know. Yeah. So they have an advantage trying to get back when you're trying to build. It's a little bit different. What I've always felt is that coaches didn't get enough time at Rutgers to build the program.
0: And build relationships.
1: It, it, the relationships for me were there. We recruited the best kids that they've ever recruited. But a couple of them transferred, which has always been a problem at Rutgers. A couple of them never got the opportunity. Our best year, my last year, I was playing all freshmen and sophomores. If we would have kept that team together for two more years, correct, we would have been... Very, very good, and you're talking about again a Big East, and everybody's talking about the Big Ten this year, and I think it's a very good conference, and it's very deep, and there's parity, but it doesn't compare. And I've watched it does not, it does not the old Big East, and I'm going to give it to Rick Pitino, and he's the one that said it. That's a guy that's, you know, been everywhere, won national championships. There's never been a conference. And I know the ACC people will disagree with me. The ACC was always top heavy. There was about a four or five year period where the Big East was the best conference in the history of college basketball. And what I looked at at that time when I happened to be coaching there, so that was a challenge unto itself, um, was the amount of pros. So anybody that wants to go back, that's a statistic nut, go back and look up the number of pros that came out of the Big East in those years, 2000 and, you know, let's call it 2004 to 2012, somewhere in there, maybe 2002 to 2012. Look at the number of pros. There was one year that there were like 12 to 15 guys that were either first or second round draft picks. Coach, you can't find that today. Coach, the thing is that league
0: was full of guys also, like Marcus Hatton, a guy who never played in the NBA, you know, like he never had a career, had a cup of coffee with the Clippers, but I'm talking about, here's a guy that was a top 10 player in the Big East. And, you know, the NBA is different because a lot of times it becomes a size thing, speed thing. Can you defend? Can you create this? So it, it but everybody had two or three pros on their team, they might have been European pros, but at, at the end of the day, they had one NBA guy, two pros, that that somebody that could win a game for you on any given night.
1: In that four or five-year period, again, I didn't do any research to talk about this. Go look it up. Most teams had one or two NBA pros. Not only did they have NBA pros, they had NBA All-Star guys that turned out to be NBA All-Stars. So when you think about the difference, how hard it is just to be a pro, like you said, guys that were tremendous and go to Europe because they can't quite get to the NBA. And you're talking about teams that are turning out two NBA guys and one of them's an NBA All-Star in her career. There was no better basketball at the time. I laugh because you know I wanted to fire my schedule maker to a certain level. But since I was the schedule maker, <laughs> I I couldn't really do that. My mother would've got mad at me. <laughs> but I always tried to give my kids the best competition and, and the greatest experiences. So one year, we played the number one, two, and three school in the country in the same week. Again, I don't think there's ever been a coach or a program anywhere that's ever done that. And it just so happened to be The Big East was so good that number two and three were Connecticut and Pitt.
0: Let me guess the number one team, North Carolina.
1: North Carolina. Thank you. And so our last non-conference game, we went down to North Carolina and played North Carolina. They beat us pretty good. Came back, again, with a very young team, starting two freshmen. Pitt was number three in the country. I believe it was Pitt three and UConn two. Might have been the other way around. We were up four with two minutes to go at home against Pitt. And my two freshmen made two defensive mistakes. We wound up losing the game by three or four. Then went up to UConn and kind of hung tough for about 30 minutes and then got beat. We played one, two, and three. Like, you talk about trying to build a program and playing freshmen and sophomores and trying to do that, but it was great experiences, and that's where I thought those kids, if they would have finished their careers And we could have finished with them getting through their senior year. We recruited the first McDonald's All-American in in Rutgers history in Mike Rosario. You know, we got Gregory Echidike a year early where he would have been a top. Venezuelan kid, right? Yes. He would have been a top 50 to top 25 player. He just came out of school a year early, so he wasn't ranked. He was ranked in the top 100. But Dane Miller, potential to be an NBA player. Like, we had great. Hamide Enjai, we had. And he was an unknown, and we took him in. He played in the NBA. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of challenges. I think Steve, Pico's done a tremendous job. I think he's gotten really good players that can develop. And I think the biggest thing they're going to do is they're going to give him time, no matter what. They've just went through a tough stretch. Hey, man, it's the Big Ten. It's not the old Big East, but it's really good basketball. You're going to go through tough stretches. Correct. You're going to have guys that have an off night. I don't think that there's a a, a pro there, a, a can't-miss pro. Correct. They've got a few guys. Geo Baker might have a chance. Um, you know, uh, Ron Harper Jr., I love. I've watched him since he was a freshman at Don Bosco. Thought he was going to be a stud. His dad was a late bloomer. I think he's got a real chance. But they don't have can't-miss guys. You know, you talk about the old Big East. You talk about Patrick Ewing. Well, you know, everybody knows, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he he's a stud, you know. Um, you know, and you could go through a list of all the guys that UConn has had, you know, when we were at Fairley, we played UConn in the NCAA tournament in 1998. Yeah, UConn was a two seed. We were a 15 seed, which I thought was a bad seed. Correct. I thought if we were like a 13 or a 12, we could actually win. We had a hell of a team. Elijah Allen, Rashawn Turner and cast. Was that the game that Elijah
0: went off for the, like, 40-something points?
1: 43 against UConn. Okay. Okay, Khalid El-Amin. Yep. Okay, Karam Butler. uh, uh, Jake Voskel. NBA guys. Yeah. The next year, we lose by four. He has 43. Rashawn Turner has a a so-so game for him. The next year, that same UConn team wins the national championship. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're talking about teams like that, it's just a little bit different. But I think continuity for Rutgers, I think giving Steve the opportunity to to build his program, I think getting guys to develop, the next step is being able to recruit a can't-miss pro, Go ahead. a legitimate can't-miss pro. that He now has a wonderful practice facility um, it's they've they've totally renovated um, the Livingston campus where the rack is. It, it, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a great school. Um, there is no reason that Rutgers shouldn't be great, and I've always believed that, and I think we would have been. Um, we didn't have the same resources that they have now, but we would have overcome that. You got to overcome certain things. Um, I just think it takes time and people are impatient. And you know they say, oh, well, it happened over at this university in five years. Why does it happen here? Well, sometimes it happens that way. Yeah. And there are certain lightning in a bottle type of programs that can develop very quickly. But there's a lot of things at Rutgers. Uh, I think they have great leadership with Pat Hobbs there. Um, uh, Greg Ciano, I thought, did a phenomenal job when I was there. And I thought he was the only guy that could come back and redo and re-energize the state, re-energize the program. It's going to take a little time. But he's going to get that done. Um, And and I think that it's all in front of him. It's just everybody wants it yesterday. And it's not happening that way. It it just doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight.
0: Speak to me about the current Big East. Um, It seems to me that they're in a little bit of a crossroad where Villanova has become a blue blood. What Jay Wright's done there just just about similar to what Thompson did at Georgetown. Carnesecca did at St. John's where you knew every year they were going to be good. The big East is in search of a second team or a third team that can consistently challenge Villanova at the top from year to year. The league is good. But I think that there is a separation from one to two. And then I think two through nine is really good. Anybody could beat each other. But if Creighton doesn't become that team or Marquette, who's been doing a great job recruiting the, bunch, the last couple of years, but hasn't punched through, if nobody does it, are you going to get that same type of ACC effect where we always talk about the two or three teams in the ACC
1: and then everybody else? Well, first of all, tremendous analogy between Jay at Villanova and John and Louis St. John's in Georgetown. Um, but let's just go back to what we talked about. Okay, Continuity. They were there forever. Correct. They developed an identity. Jay's been coaching at Villanova now for 20 years.
0: People forget he was even at Hofstra. It,
1: it, it's been a long time. I, I went with Jay to start the program from day one. Okay, people forget how we struggled. We brought in a phenomenal class, the number three recruiting class in the country. Randy Foy, Alan Ray, Curtis Sumter, Jason Frazier, McDonald's All-American. He would have been the first pro except for injuries. Curtis Sumter was a pro except for an injury. Randy Foy had a 10-year NBA career, Alan Ray, was a free agent, and made the Celtics before he decided to make more money and go overseas. We backed that up with one of the toughest, greatest guards that's not an NBA player, and Mike Nardi, who was a leader and just tremendous basketball IQ, and he was the straw that stirred the drink for us. And then followed that up with Kyle Lowry, who was another pro, not just a pro, He's an all-star. Yeah, Those are the type of guys we're talking about. So great analogy with what we were able to do there. Um, like St. John's, like Georgetown, things have changed in the recruiting world. St. John's used to get every kid out of New York City. Yeah. Well, the Catholic League today is not a, it's a shell of what it used to be. Correct. So coaches aren't just sending guys. Louis came from the Catholic League. They sent guys to St. John's. Today, guys, leave the city and they go to prep schools all over the place.
0: TVs hurt that too, right? Because now, if you're if you're the father of a 17 year old guard, you don't have to send him to Seton Hall or St. John's to watch him play. You could send him to you could send him to Butler and watch him on TV every game.
1: Without question, but I really think it's more the dynamic and the relationships and the changeover. So you look at again, like we talked about Rutgers. You look at St. John's. For whatever reason, changeover. Changeover. Jarvis.
0: Lavin. Lavin. Norm, Norm Roberts. Norm Roberts.
1: Yeah. Mike. Yeah. So there's no consistency, no continuity. All those relationships that Louie had, the relationships that Big John had, the relationships that Jay has, they've been developed over 20 years now. You're going to go to certain programs, get certain kids, you do right by kids. And you
0: know where to go. I think that's the biggest thing. You know what? I coaching softball for, for 25 years and recruiting and sending kids to college as a high school coach myself, where I go as a travel organization to recruit my kids, I know what high schools to go to. And I know what coaches I can call and trust when they give me a breakdown but I know where a kid's going to go that's going to fit my program too, right? So I know that a kid from a particular neighborhood is not going to fare well with me, you know, just because I know whether how the parents there might be too high maintenance, they're not going to accept the role. So, yeah, I could see, but it's the continuity of 25 years doing it.
1: we just talked about great fits. This people would probably blow people's mind. It blew my mind, and I'm going to be off by a couple years, but I... We've got the first New York City Catholic League player to go to Villanova. And I got there with Jay. He got the job in 2001 or 2002. Now I can't really remember. Because you're getting older. Because I'm getting older. They hadn't had a New York City Catholic League player at Villanova, Big East, Catholic school, (laughs) two hours away, I believe since 1986. until we we cracked through and we got those guys, which were Alan Ray at St. Ray's, uh, Curtis Sumter, Bishop Lachlan. Those were the guys that took a chance on us, came down the turnpike through relationships that Jay had from Hofstra, through relationships that I had from Seton Hall, through relationships with guys that trusted us, and now, you know, go back and look and, and then Jay established relationships with the Maryland DC area. And now you look at all the guys that have come through his program and it comes back down to that. Well, when you have turnover in staffs, when you have turnover of head coaches, it's hard to have trust in those relationships already built in the school as tradition in history. Yeah. St. John's is
0: phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, for example, I mean, we keep on talking about St. John's because we both know the program well, but you know, the only person that has really recruited an elite top five class has been Lavin. But I think he did that more on name because he's a more of a household name and he coached at UCLA. So he was a national coach more. So he was able to bring in the top three class. In fact, he got a kid from the Philly
1: Catholic school, you know, to come. Which is almost impossible. Correct. But yes, Lav could recruit nationally. And he had, he was on TV. He was at UCLA. He didn't do it the traditional way at St. John's. Correct. Which you don't have to, but it wasn't like he walked into St. John's with all established relationships in the Catholic League in New York City Correct. and said, I need one, two, three to make it happen. That's yeah. not how he did it. Correct. Norm Roberts tried to do that because he was yeah. a New York City guy. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of different ways to walk down the street, but when you talk about Villanova leading the Big East, um, you know, it, it's been a godsend for the Big East because it's a very, very good conference. And again, who's going to step up and challenge? You know, there's a number of teams that can. There's a number of teams that have been good. Not quite consistently enough yet. Um, but, you know, I look at now, I coached at Marquette, so I'm a little bit
0: prejudiced, biased. <laughs> biased.
1: Um you know, Marquette, their tradition in history, even though it's a long time ago, 1977, Al McGuire, yeah, but we National know it. champion. But we, again, kids may not know it, but parents, AU coaches, high school coaches all know it. I, I think they have a real chance. It's a phenomenal city. They've got great support. They play in an unbelievable arena. And I think Woj has done a tremendous job. He gets after job.
0: it. He gets, after he it.
1: gets good players. Um, You know, he's he's had a couple speed bumps because a guy's transferring or whatever, but I think they have a real chance to be that established program. I know he's been there now seven, eight years, I believe. Um, You know, but he's got to get there again. We're talking Jay Wright's in season 20. And I I think uh, Wode's been the NCAA tournament two or three years out of his seven there. He's just got to now get there. The next step is the hardest step. You know, St. John's has to rebuild. Uh, Seton Hall. Has has been there four straight NCAA Knock, tournaments, knocking on the door. Knocking yeah. on the door. We won a Big East championship in 2016. Um, you know, we haven't really been able to get that next great, can't miss pro, which I think takes you over the top. We we just we're a little bit short in the NCAA tournament. Haven't been able to win. That's the next step. When people talk about programs, Jay's won two national championships. They've been to Elite Eights. They've been to Sweet Sixteens. You know. Uh, Woj just made it to the NCAA tournament. They might win one game, lose. Um, You know, Seton Hall's been... Same thing for... Well, Xavier... Xavier's been to a couple Sweet 16s, maybe in the lead eight. But they had that class. But again, now, it's just not the consistency that Jay has done it with. You know, uh, Seton Hall, we went to four straight NCAA tournaments, but we've only won one game. So, those teams all... and, And I think that they're all there. Creighton, like you talked about, they... Phenomenal fan base, great arena, great school. Um, uh, hell of a coach. Uh, I think that, you know, again, they're ranked, I don't know, somewhere 11 to 15 in yeah. the country. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Like in, in the old days, yeah. the old Big East, the old, uh, they're a top 25 team. But, you know, when you're talking about really breaking through. Yeah, they're not they, winning a national title. I mean, as good as Degarowski is in yeah, that crew, they're just yeah. deficient. Well, you know, a national title, when you look at it, you you need a lot of luck. You need a lot of luck. And once you get to the tournament, you know, you get there. I mean, going back to my first time at Seton Hall. Butler made it twice. Yep. And going back to my first time at Seton Hall with Tommy Amaker, we had an average team the year we went to the Sweet 16. And we beat Oregon in overtime. Then we beat Temple in overtime. And we lost to Oklahoma State. By two. Was that
0: Big Country Reeves team?
1: Um, that was Big Country and um, uh, uh, the point guard. That the guard, uh, yeah. On TV. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name. Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb, thank you. Um, and, you know, you win that game. The next game I didn't think we could win, it was Duke- and Florida, with a young Florida team, Florida upsets Duke.
0: Yeah, and now you have a shot. And now, you, 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 yeah. you
1: know, you, you, you throw the ball up, you never know. Florida went to the Final Four that year. We could have, you know, we thought we matched up pretty good and they were young. And, you know, we had an average team. We, we needed to win the last game of the year to get into the NCAA tournament. We were ten seed. So once you get to the tournament, you never know. But when you look at college basketball and you look at this year, and you look at the teams, you look at the Big East, you look at the teams. You know, Gonzaga and Baylor cut above everything that I've seen on TV. 100%. You know, uh, I, I like Texas. Texas is good. Okay. And, and I'll tell
0: you what, he needed this year because he was a bad year away from getting fired there.
1: He, he, Shaka, Shaka was is... taking that next step. Yeah. And, you know, what people on the outside perceive. But um, Texas. Football you know, school. Villanova's number three in the country right now. Uh, they shoot it. Do they have all the pieces to make a run again? How can you count them out? They, they, they've been there. They've done it. The program, the character of the kids, the culture in the program is set to win a national championship. So you got you to gotta count them in, uh, even though they might not be as talented as some other teams that Jay has had, but they're going to be there at the end of the day. Virginia, another team with culture. They've been there. They understand. Are they as talented as the last couple of years? No. But I'm watching them play. They defend. They 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 play a very um It's a methodical methodical you, offense, but they're very efficient. You know what worries me
0: about Virginia? They won one. They got one. So I I so I'm gonna have to eat a little crow because I never thought they could do it. Problem with a team like Virginia is they will f- find a way to keep a team who's not as good as them in a game. And if that team gets a five-minute stretch where they pump in a couple of threes, they're in a dogfight.
1: Okay. So, agreed. Think about Princeton back in the day when they were terrific. Mm -hmm. They didn't blow many people out. You never got blown out. It's the style of basketball. But you just said it. You nailed it. Virginia lost to a number 16 seed the first time in NCAA history, came back the next year and won the national championship. You'll never see that again in our lifetimes and many more. <laughs> yeah. And yet, and yes, style of play, but it gives them a chance. It gives them a chance to win the whole thing. So when you're looking at some of those teams, I just think that there's a lot of teams that, you know, you could get hot. I, 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 I've seen Michigan play now twice on TV. The two times I've seen them. They've been phenomenal. I haven't seen them enough to say, are they in the Gonzaga Baylor? I still think it's Gonzaga Baylor and everybody else. Houston, who people won't think about, tremendous defensive team. So, can defense get you to a Final Four? Offensively, they're average. Will they get better over the course of the year? You know, Iowa, phenomenal offensive team on defense. When we're talking about now national champions, yeah. they're
0: average. Yeah, when you gotta so, play somebody that's as good as you. You know, so here's the thing about Michigan that I do like. That league and the different styles, similar to I think what the, the benefit that Villanova gets, so many different styles prepares you for the short turnaround in the tournament. So if you're Villanova and you're playing a a team like Creighton twice you're going to be able to play with iowa it's kind of you know that offense style of of, if you're playing saint john's now you know how to play 94 feet because you know so you get a chance to see a lot of different things some of these leagues are cookie molded like i look at the acc other than virginia
1: everybody plays the same way without question the more diversity in terms of style of play that you play against the more prepared you are and you've seen things especially in short turnarounds. I always felt that was um, the advantage when you get to a tournament, teams that played a one zone, one zone, there might be five teams in the country and you don't see that all the time. Yeah. So you, it's tough to make that adjustment right away. Now, usually better players kind of figure it out, but once you get to the NSA tournament, even if you're a mid-major, you're the best mid-major team yeah. in your league. You're pretty good. Well, think about it, coaches. If you hang in the
0: game for 25 minutes and now all of a sudden you bust out the 1-3-1, now that's going to keep you in the game. I do want to ask you two things before we move on to your school. Speak to me quickly about, in my opinion, the best coach, with all due respect to Jay Wright, the best coach in the Big East, Ed Cooley. Who I believe does the most with the least. See, because I personally believe that Jay runs the best program in terms of bringing in players, fit the system. But every year, every November, you look at Providence and you're like, ooh. And then you look up every March and he's in there. They figure it out, coach. Man, he can coach.
1: Ed's a tremendous coach. Again, no disrespect to Ed. Jay, I think, and, and I've yeah. had the opportunity to work for him. Correct. I've worked for Jay. I, I worked for Bill Carmody at Northwestern. The greatest offensive mind, greatest offensive coach, bar none. You know, he didn't win like Beeline won, and everybody talks about Beeline. Correct. Those are two that are guys, when you talk about offensive basketball, nobody better. And and he's right there.
0: What is it those guys do? Just the ability to help you create
1: space? Great spacing, great concepts. They get the right players to fit what they want to do. They make adjustments for the players that need to have more creativity. um, The way they teach it. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that have tried to simulate um, Creighton runs a lot of that. they look like the old? Creighton remember, does a good job spacing. They don't run as much of the back cuts. You know, yeah. everybody talks about the Princeton offense, but there's nuances in everything you do. At Northwestern, when I worked for Bill, and I thought I had a pretty good handle because when I was in college, yeah. we ran that because my college coach at the Division three level was friends with Pete Carrill. Okay, so we ran a, a version of it. Everybody, you know, changes it a little bit. I never saw anybody teach it like Bill. We ran it faster than anybody. We put the guys in the, in the right spots. You're getting open shots, so you got to be able to make them. That's the key for a coach: you put guys in position to get open shots. Then you have got to have talent, and guys got to knock them down. But what we can do is get you an open shot. They're just their minds. He could see two, three, four plays ahead. Like I thought, I was pretty good. I'm sitting there, and he's saying, "Run this," and it's really read and react, but. He's put it in and up? he's setting something up yeah. and I'm like, and all of a sudden, boom, we get a layup or we get a wide open three, just really phenomenal. And, and having coached against beeline when he was the head coach of West Virginia and I was the head coach at Rutgers. And then again, when I'm at Northwestern and he's at Michigan, it just like bill. And then, you know, again, Tommy Amaker, my first time at Seton hall, phenomenal coach, phenomenal recruiter. Um, wonderful human being um i mean he's got an opportunity look at what's harvard has done i mean it's harvard i'm surprised like, he hasn't gotten another job he doesn't want another job got it he well you're he, at harvard he, i mean what else you're, can you're, you're, you're at harvard yeah. just like pete carrill was at princeton yeah if tommy stays long enough yeah and who knows how long he'll stay yeah. but he's going to have the same type of career correct he's been to the ncaa tournament he's won a game you know, know, Harney's an
0: educated cat too. So I get that. I get that. He's
1: got the pedigree from Duke and the whole bit and he loves it. And, and just, you know, when you talk about, you know, how lucky I've been, you talk about what I just said, Tommy Amaker, you know, Jay Wright, Bill Carmody, not to mention, you know, back in the day when I first went to Marquette with Bobby Duquette. And, you know, I mean, I had a phenomenal college coach and Ali Gelson. I mean, I've been blessed to be around, phenomenal, phenomenal people.
0: But you agree that Coach Cooley's really I, good. I,
1: I agree not to get off of, I think Coach Cooley is tremendous. I think you hit the nail on the head. He does a lot with a little, although they have good players. Well, listen, they
0: got a legit got, NBA got, they, point guard right yes, now. I think they, they, Do
1: They've got good players, yeah. and they've had players that have gone to the NBA, yeah. but his kids are tough. They're hard-nosed. They play the game the right way. He is always in most games... And I think that he has developed a culture yeah. there, which to me is the sign of a great coach, that you're going to get kids every year. You may not get the best kids, but you're going to get kids that buy into your culture. You're going to coach them up, and you're going to be competing year in and year out. That's a team that can break through. You know, he's, he's right there. I think he went to five straight NCAAs. Yeah. He just hasn't been able to take the next step and get to Sweet 16, Elite 8, and beyond. It's win a game, lose the first round. Lose the first round, win a game. I'm not Correct. quite sure what it is, Correct. but it hasn't been enough to put him, just like we're talking about Marquette and Providence and you know potentially St. John's and Seton Hall. They're all right there. But yes, there is no like, Creighton, Xavier, but there is no clear-cut...
0: Challenge to challenger
1: Villanova. right now to Villanova on a consistent basis. Given year 2016, we beat Villanova in the Big East Championship phenomenal game, so we win it. The next year, we have a chance to do it again and they make a tremendous offensive rebound stick back and they win it. Great games, it's become a great rivalry, but I think there's a lot of schools that are right in that bunch. Somebody's got to be consistent and break through.
0: I want to speak about your school, but I want to tell you something that I saw last week that I don't know if it's going to shock you or if you knew this. Do you realize that the Big Ten has not won a championship since 2000? I knew that. And and the Pac-12 has not won one since 97?
1: Basketball, they are... And I can't speak to the Pac-12, I don't know it. 97, Arizona. Nearly as well. Arizona,
0: that was the uh, Miles-Simon-Bibby team. The
1: Big Ten, like we talked about, top to bottom, year in and year out, very, very good. They're not top-heavy. They're very, very good. Michigan State, obviously, has a chance year in and year out to get there. They just haven't been able to do it. They're the last one. They lose a couple
0: know. more games. They might not get in this but, year, but yeah, but I know but, what you mean.
1: But to, again, to get there, yeah, it takes a little bit of luck besides talent and the whole culture and program and, um, and that's why when, again, go back and talk about the old Big East, okay, there were four teams that when the season started, we're in had a chance to win the national yeah. championship. Syracuse, Louisville, Yukon yeah. and Coach, don't forget
0: Notre Dame at that time was good too.
1: Notre Dame was. They good. weren't
0: going to win a national title, but my point was they Pittsburgh. Were, yeah, Pittsburgh. Jamie Jamie James Dixon, Nixon.
1: tremendous. Again, yeah. he didn't get the recognition because they didn't get past the Elite Eight. Correct. They just couldn't get over the hump. But when you talk about a culture, Coach and Cincinnati a program, was good. Cincinnati was good. You know, again, you you can go down the list, but I'm talking about winning a national national championship when the season started. (laughs) Think about what you just said. No Big Ten team has won since 2000. When the season started in the Big East, there were four teams that you said, ooh, they could win a national championship. Ooh, they could win a national championship. And one of them usually did or was in the Final Four. Yeah, You know, again, it takes a lot of luck to get through the whole thing. And that's what you're talking about, the ACC. Every year, with the exception of this year, maybe last year, you know, North Carolina and Duke, in the beginning of the year, they can win the national championship. And one of them is usually in the final four. So, you know, that's where that top-heavy is. You know, now Virginia did it, you know, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. So, again, the depth is great in the Big Ten, but they just haven't been able to get over them. I mean, Michigan, beeline... Their team, yeah, and they almost got there. Almost, yeah. almost, and yeah. and you know, again, it, it takes a little bit of luck. It, you know, Gonzaga has been tremendous, and they've gotten there, but they, they, they can't. haven't bro-
0: broken through. You know, either. like you
1: said, you look at Butler, and who would have thunk two of them in
0: they had a, two two in four years? A mid-court shot that almost went in too.
1: You know, again, yeah. uh, you, you got to get through those things, and we'll see. But uh, there's much more parity today in college yeah. basketball. Than I think ever than ever before.
0: Speak to me about your school, man. What, what what's what's this about? Your your is this your
1: final venture? Uh, you, you never say never, but um, I, I'm really excited. Um haven't talked to all my ex players, and and being away from the game in terms of mentoring young kids and teaching and. Where coaching. were you to mentor me? Well, I guess you did. Yeah, <laughs> A little bit. Hey, listen, you know, every student doesn't listen, and, and I can't make everybody a superstar. You made
0: a lot of money for guys that graduated it, it, from Newark Side. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I did.
1: Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it, it's those guys, you know, like, I, I, you know, again, what gets me excited, um, Darnell Brody. Uh, is He's at Drake right now, and he didn't get much of an opportunity. I saw Darnell as a freshman at Eastside, and this is what gets me excited. Um, you know, he's a freshman at Eastside High School, and I see a big kid that's raw, um, with a little potential, and I just kept, kept going back, and I've had great luck and success. I, I think um, Anthony and, and Garvin run, uh, uh, talk about culture and, and a phenomenal program, with tough inner city kids and teach them the right way to do things. And, you know, here's a kid. I I had Randy and um, he's like a son to me. And so I go back and I go back and I've been fortunate to get good guys out of there. Um, Ish played for us at Seton Hall and Corey Chandler down at Rutgers. And I'm watching Darnell Brody and, you know, I, I think he's got a chance and we bring him to Seton Hall and, you know, we never, never really gave him a chance. And, you know, he decides to transfer, which I think was the right move for him. And, you know, I get texts from his dad all the time. He's playing for Drake. And they're undefeated. You know, I think they're 14-0. and 0. And, you know, player of the game last night, they're, they're playing a, a very, very tough uh, Missouri State team. And, you know, 16 points, 15 rebounds. Here's a kid that never got off the bench, never got an opportunity and stuck with it. And you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be part of his life, and they let me in, and and I love mentoring kids and seeing kids develop and giving them opportunities, getting them. I helped them transfer um, when he made that decision to leave, because again, every situation isn't right for every kid. It's no disrespect to Seton Hall, it wasn't the right fit. Correct. And and I pride myself on the right fit. And if it's not the right fit, well, I'm going to help you. And uh, so, make a long story short. Um, I'm going to open up the compass basketball Academy and it's a fifth year program, a gap year for kids, but I'm not looking for the high majors. I'm looking for the Darnell Brodies that the kids that are a little bit under recruited. Um, he only had one offer, which was ours in the big East, uh, kids that might be division two players that with a year of development will get division one scholarship offers, maybe a low-major Division one scholarship kid that for whatever reason didn't get a mid-major, a high-major offer, wants to come and develop. Our program is six hours every day of basketball. Um, we have academic components in place, life skills, a mentoring program that I think is off the charts uh, for these kids. I, I think it's the best education that they could get. Where,
0: where is it going to be based out of?
1: we're we're basing it out of the Fort Athletic Club which is um down in the Red Bank area um and it's just a, a it's a unique concept around here it's kind of like going to prep school but you're not sitting in a classroom, your classroom sitting, experience yeah. and repeating your senior year you're 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 doing an hour a day of shooting and shooting drills um you've got 2 hours a day of strength and conditioning, speed and agility. So the biggest difference at any level, every level you go to, the biggest difference is strength and conditioning, speed and agility. Correct. From high school to college, college to the NBA, ask any player. That's the biggest difference. Well, we've hired Rich Delatry, who was the strength and conditioning coach for the New Jersey Nets for 22 years. He's our director of player development. Uh, Associate head coach, Tom Barice, who has been a, college head coach, and he's been in the NBA in various capacities, including an interim head coach for a couple games for the last 30 years, uh, myself. Um, We've got an academic advisor, community relations coordinator, who's a professor in college at Rutgers and Seton Hall. Uh, Our director of basketball operations is uh, Trayvon Morton, who was at Seton Hall for six years during our successful run in a multitude of capacities. Um, we've got uh, Kenny Pignatello, who's been a high school coach for 30 years, who's helped guide young men and get them college scholarships, the process, and knows everybody and you know, is a recruiting coordinator, so, and a college placement advisor. So what we've put together, and for these young men to come and spend, it's an eight-month program, September to May. And our goal is to help the kid that doesn't have a scholarship develop and get a scholarship and get a free education and be able to use their athletic ability in basketball as the vehicle to getting an education. So we're not looking for the guy that, you know, is going to go to Villanova. We're looking for that guy. I give you a great example uh, my nephew. So Two years ago, my nephew played at St. Mary's in Rutherford. Uh, great kid, good student, a uh, little bit thin, uh, about six foot six one, 155. You could see he's a player, but he wasn't ready. No Division Twos, no Division One offers. Sent him to a program that I'm modeling this after in Indiana. Good friend of mine, Dave Maravella, runs a phenomenal program for the last eight years, just like this. In uh, Northern Indiana, Crown Point. Okay. Takes kids with no scholarships.
0: You think he could turn me into
1: a player? Um, could have about 40 years ago. Okay. <laughs> uh, today, I'm not quite sure <laughs> if that's possible. But he takes these kids, a little bit of chip on your shoulder, mm-hmm. and it runs the program. Again, I've been out there. We've sat and talked. I've sent my nephew there. That's how much I believe in it. I've been recruiting kids at Seton Hall and Northwestern for the eight years he's been there. 80% of the kids leave there with a scholarship offer. They all come in with none. Correct. He's got one kid in the NBA, and five kids playing in Europe. He's got a kid that's playing at Drake with- Brody. Darnell Brody, who's their second leading scorer, and is one of the reasons why they're 14-0 and 0 right now. And these are kids that were, for whatever reason, overlooked, they're all academically qualified, and, and we want to do the same thing. Prep school today, Maybe one or two kids get a scholarship. Um, We've got this program at a point where we're about half the price. Um, We've put together, I think, an unbelievable staff. Uh, Just talked about a mentorship program. I think for kids, again, a different type of education. Um, All my ex-players are mentors. What does that mean? You come and play for us at the Compass Basketball Academy and Randy Foy is gonna be your mentor. correct? And you get to call him, have a personal relationship, he's gonna teach you all the things that he learned going from high school to college, what to expect, how to be a professional, quite honestly, even though you're gonna be a student athlete at college, how to navigate that, how to do that, how to work and be a pro. Which
0: is harder now with the social media and uh, people pulling you in different directions.
1: One of the biggest things that kids don't know how to do and are not taught, is how to be a winner, how to be a pro, time management, accountability, all the things we've kind of taken all of our experiences, and it's a little bit NBA rookie development program that we've been fortunate enough to draw from. Andre Barrett is part of that. Um, he will be a mentor. Um, a little bit of the European model, Rich lottery after the Nets, has been the number one guy over in Europe, Croatia, China. They bring him in there. He's the professor. He teaches them all the strength, conditioning, player development. You know, Tom Brees being in the NBA. uh, Me, you know, I always used to go to training camp, um, sitting on meetings. So we've taken all those experiences, my college experiences, and we've developed something that we think is um, unique, tremendous, gives them an opportunity to really spend the amount of time. You think about six hours a day. A high school kid might get two good hours a day of basketball. And strength and conditioning. And
0: that's two hours for three months. It,
1: yeah. Strength and conditioning is zero, minimal at best. Okay, it's just they just don't have the yeah. resources and they just don't have the time and the wherewithal. Here you're coming and you're getting six hours every day. Monday to Friday, we're going to play our games mostly on the weekends, for eight months. You take your game to a completely different level. And it's been tried and true as I look at my nephew, who is now a freshman at Florida Atlantic to finish the story. No scholarship offers, not a Division II, not a Division one. Freshman at Florida Atlantic in Conference USA, getting 14 minutes a game as a freshman. That's and it's going to turn out to be a hell of a player. And I can go down 20 guys from that program. So we're really excited. One, I'm excited. When does this kick off? We kick this off. Well, we launched it on on our website. Yeah. We've getting mail out, as you can Give see. Give me the as, website. A, a, what is it? A, 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 as we sit here.
0: What's the website? Uh,
1: CompassBasketball.com. Um, we, we start our program in September. It'll go September to May. And I just can't wait. Like, I've had so much fun the last two weeks talking to parents again, talking to coaches about their players, you know, saying, listen, this guy's been recommended to me. Sounds like the great fit. The hardest part for me is that I'm not going to be able to get out and see these guys in our first year. And I like to get to know people. But I'm going to all my contacts that I trust. We want great character kids, kids that are very good students, academically qualified, that want – to be players and get recruited to a higher level, or be just more ready to go to college. They're gonna be much more prepared than any senior in high school, no matter where they are, because of the amount of time that we're gonna to devote to their development. So it's exciting for me for those relationships, and it's exciting for me to get back on the court again and do what I love to do, individual instruction and coaching and developing kids. It's all about the kids. We don't have any pressure. We don't have to win a game. It's like being the scheduling coach. Yeah. I'm the CEO. I'm not gonna fire myself. I'm not gonna fire Tom Baris. I'm not gonna fire anybody on the yeah. staff. Our goal is to help kids get better and mature and ultimately have great college careers by getting a scholarship for free and then ultimately being successful as I've always said, Preparing them for the biggest game that they're ever going to play in their whole life is the game of life. And that's where when I look at these guys and I talk to Quincy Doobie and I see what a great father. He's a businessman now. He's going to be a coach. I look at Randy Foy, three beautiful girls that play soccer. His wife was a soccer player at Villanova. He's an entrepreneur. He gives back to the community as a foundation. gives back to Northeast Side High School. I look at Kyle Lowry. I look at Andre Barrett. I look at what these guys, they weren't only great players. They are successes in the game of life. And that is what any coach is most proud of. And now I think I can get back into it at a different level. Those were elite level players. I'm going to get elite level people and help them achieve their dream by exposing them, making them better, and giving them the opportunity that they aren't getting out of high school, and that's to get a free education by getting a scholarship to go on and further their career.
0: Coach, you gave me an hour of your time, which is, I know you're a busy guy. I I cannot thank you enough. I appreciate you. I always have. You are going to get the plug I'm going to, I'm going to my first donation to your company is going to be that. We're going to give you a free commercials here every week on the Sergio Rodriguez show, because I believe in you and I believe in who you are, my friend. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Serge, I I can't thank you enough. And again, uh, I think this is just a, a microcosm of everything we've talked about. You were a kid at FDU when we met and you were rebounding for Elijah Allen and Rashawn Turner and great guys. And, you know, Elijah's a high school coach now and talked to him the other day. He's part of this program and, and we're still friends today. And then I watch you and I watch you with your son and I watch you in the batting cages and I watch you with the girls that you coach and you are every bit like all the guys I've just mentioned. It's bigger than anything that we're about. You are a success in the game of life, giving back and mentoring other kids, and there's nothing better than that. So I appreciate the fact that you would take an hour and and take, I'm not allowed to swear, so take my old rear end and sit here and spend an hour with me and go through uh, memory lane, Bruce Springsteen, glory days, (laughs) Because that's what we have left when we get to be our age. But uh, I am really excited about what the future holds. And I never say never, but uh, for today, nothing bigger than the Compass Basketball Academy and being able to help young guys achieve their goals and dreams.
0: That was Coach Freddie Hill, and you've been listening to The Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other.